Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, we're going to talk about recognizing uh, supernatural opportunities concerning generosity. All right? So start with 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read some in chapter 9, and then we're going to jump over to another passage of Scripture. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. These two chapters have been dedicated strictly to generosity in the area of our finances and the importance of it in our lives and how we receive from God. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, Paul is commenting on the generosity of these believers. He says how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality or their generosity. So what Paul is saying to these believers, he said, you were having a great trial of affliction. You decided to get real happy. He said, and even though you had deep poverty or financial needs yourself, he said, you gave generously. He said in the next verse, he said, you actually gave beyond your power. And verse four, he says, and you begged us to receive the gift. So he says, these are some pretty rare believers here having great trouble, got real happy, having deep financial needs, and gave generously. One of the most unusual scriptures in the Bible. Verse 6, so Paul says, so we left Titus there to finish the grace in you. And in verse 7, he says, as you abound in everything, you abound in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So he's talking about the grace of giving or the grace of generosity. And he's also talking about the grace of receiving. We'll see that in just a moment. But he says, you abound in your faith, your utterance, your preaching, your teaching, your knowledge, your love to us. And he said, and see that you abound in this grace also. So I consider these to be instructions from God to see that I abound in this grace. He calls it grace, doesn't he? And so he calls this grace, the grace of giving. And he says, see that you abound in it. And so what he's saying is you will not abound in it accidentally. See that you abound in it because it's possible to do well here. He says in your faith, your preaching, your teaching, your knowledge of the word. He said, but I want you to see to it that you abound in the grace of generosity in your giving. Wow. All right. So he says, see to it, abound it, be known for it. Be known for your generosity. And then he goes, verse 9, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, because he says, see that you abound in this grace, this grace. Now here's, we're talking about the grace of giving, but really he's talking about the grace of giving and receiving. I'll show you. So when he talks about the grace of generosity in the area of your finances, then here's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, if grace is amazing, we have a song called Amazing Grace. If grace is amazing in every other area of your life, it should be amazing in the area of your finances. All right, we'll try that one more time. If grace is amazing in every other area of your life, it should be amazing in your finances. So the Lord said, if you'll learn this and listen to this, I'm going to show you how, which is why Paul left Titus there. I'm going to show you how to abound in this grace. Then he said, one day you'll look at your checkbook and you'll say, amazing grace. (laughs) 
In other words, what you realize is not just your talent, not just your hard work, not just your intellect, but the grace, the favor, the ability, and the blessing of God has come upon your family, upon your business, upon your finances, and that would be amazing grace. And Paul is really saying these people actually gave out of their need or out of their poverty. All right, go to chapter 9 and verse 6 because he's going to call this grace, this giving. Paul's going to get it a little bit more defined here. And he says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly. So he calls giving sowing. He calls giving what? Sowing. <laughs> Once you understand that, it's, a, it's one of the easiest areas in your life to receive amazing grace in this area because it's totally dependent upon you sowing. Amen. And this is one area that God said in the book of Malachi, prove me in this area and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You don't even have room enough to receive it. There he's talking about tithes and offerings. And so he's really talking about God's abundance. And so here's the way the Lord said it to me years ago. He said, I actually did not design tithing or giving or sowing for you to decrease. Now, sometimes we, in our own mind, we're thinking subtraction, but I'm going to show you God's thinking multiplication. All right, let's keep reading. Because in our mind, we're thinking of subtraction. And so we get a little intimidated if somebody talks about giving in this area of our finance because we're thinking, well, you know, I'm already struggling. Well, those people there were struggling also. But Paul said, I'm going to show you something which is a spiritual law and how it operates in the kingdom of God. And uh, sometimes people say, well, I, well, I'm on a fixed income. And I always say, well, who fixed it? In other words, once you change your thinking and see the way God thinks about it, then there's really nobody that can fix your income. And there's really nobody that can block your blessing. All right, let's keep going here. So he says, he that soweth, so he's calling, giving, sowing. He said, and you can sow, he says, sparingly, and you will reap sparingly, and you can sow generously or bountifully, and you'll reap bountifully. So he said, it's really totally up to you, the kind of harvest that you get. <laughs> you can sow sparingly. And really, he didn't even mention nothing here. He said, it's either sparing or generous. He didn't mention nothing. Let's try that one more time. He just mentioned, you're going to have to do something to even get involved in the process. And so you may take a couple of steps to get involved in the process, and then you'll prove how the word of God works in your life. So he says, you can sow mainly, he says, two ways. He said, you can sow sparingly, you can sow bountifully or generously. And so I asked the Lord because he said, the harvest is not going to get confused. In other words, he said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap what? Sparingly. He said, it's a spiritual law. Even God's not going to violate that law. Now, so here, so he said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap. <laughs> And so I like to say it this way, if your giving don't affect you much, neither will your harvest. All right, getting quiet. I got two nods and a grunt. So he's talking about if you sow sparingly, so you're in charge of this process, then he said, you're going to reap sparingly. He said, but there's another choice. I always wanted to know what the other choice was. He said, if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Right? 
So you don't have to worry about sowing sparingly and reaping generously. And you don't have to worry about sowing generously and reaping sparingly. You don't have to worry about sowing and somebody else getting your harvest. Because the seed has a return address on it. That means God knows your address. And nobody can block your blessing or block your harvest. So he said that seed is actually guaranteed. (laughs) It's amazing how many things people will gamble their money on. When really this is one process that is totally guaranteed by God. All right. So here he says, he says, you're going to reap generously if you'll sow generously. So I asked the Lord, how much is generous? Now, here's what he said to me. He said, really generous is different amounts to different people. Because (laughs) he said, these people were poor and God was impressed with their generosity. All right. So you can be very generous, even if you think you're not in the rich category. Amen. God notices generosity. Matter of fact, when Jesus stood by the offering in the four gospels, that's the only thing he commented on. (laughs) Getting quiet in here now. In other words, he never commented and said, boy, this is a beautiful place. He never commented and said, I sure like that sermon. He never said that was some good singing. I'll tell you that. But he watched the giving and he made comments. Well, the Bible says he never changes, so I believe he still watches. And I believe he still makes comments. If you don't believe it, ask Carneus in Acts chapter 10. So in Acts chapter 10, a man by the name of Carneus, his giving was so generous. And his hunger for God, his praying, and yet he mixed praying and giving, and it says literally came up before God and got God's attention. And because of his generosity, God said, I'm going to have to do something at your house. And he sent the angels on assignment, sent his best apostle over there and got Carneus and his whole family filled with the Holy Ghost. What I want you to see is that your giving affects more than just your finances. Matter of fact, your next spiritual breakthrough may be as connected to your giving as it is to your praying. Are y'all still here? Because we're looking at examples. I can give you many examples in the scriptures about this kind of generosity. And so Paul says he calls it sowing. And he says, generous. So I said, well, Lord, how will I know? When I'm generous, because it's different amounts, maybe even different occasions. I said, Lord, how will I know when I'm generous? And the Lord said, you will know. (laughs) I said, how am I going to know? He said, because you leave your comfort zone. He said, and when you're generous is when you give and think about it for months later. All right, let's keep going here. So. So how many of you had giver's remorse? In other words, you're like, I think I overdid it. So here's what we're going to look at is the reaping, the sowing and the reaping, the generosity, learning how to do that. And believe me, anybody can do this. And actually, even Jesus said the woman that had the least actually outgave everybody else. All right, let's keep going here. So he says, go to the next verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudging of necessity, for God loves what? 
So he says, every person get involved in this. And he said, I don't just want your hand involved. I want your heart involved. Purpose in your heart. Now, here's something you can see about the blessing of the Lord in this area. He said, there's always two factors. Number one, there's a purpose. You purpose in your heart. Number two, there's a promise. That means I know the purpose of my giving and I know the promise connected to my giving. So he says, purpose in your heart, give. And he says, and God loves a cheerful, if you have an amplified Bible, which is a women's Bible with more words. So you see that God loves a cheerful. Hilarious, prompt to do it, giver whose heart is in his giving. So God loves people that give and get happy about it. Well, you see, that's a rare thing. I said that's a rare thing, but that's what God loves. Um, Dr. Avery Jackson, who is a neurosurgeon in Detroit and goes to Bishop Keith Butler's church and, and just a, a great man of God, a great man of faith. And uh, we were just there at Brother Copeland's and he's on the board there. And we just had a blast just talking. He loves the Lord. And so raised in that church. And he said this, he said, uh, as a neurosurgeon, a brain surgeon, he said, there is a pleasure center in your brain that only lights up when you're giving. In other words, in the human brain, God designed a pleasure center that lights up when you're giving. You say, what what does that mean? That means God designed where you will never really be happy unless you're a giver. Or you can actually cure depression with generosity. So... He said, this pleasure center created by God in your brain, not people here, but other churches, it hadn't been lit in a while, but um, this pleasure center, boom, lights up with generosity. God designed you that way. Why? Because that's the way he is. Amen. And go to the next verse. He says in verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Whoa, that sounds good, doesn't it? Look at verse nine. It says written, he has dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness remains for how long? forever. All right. Look at verse 10. And he that ministers seed to the sower will both multiply your seed sown and he will increase the fruits of righteousness. Look at verse 11. And being enriched in everything, all boundless cause for us great thanksgiving to God. And look down to verse 15. And he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. In other words, he just saying God's the biggest giver. And he said, and your generosity is going to cause many to give great thanksgiving to God. All right, turn to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. In other words, as a Christian or as a believer, following the Lord, amen, and um, other scriptures that I'm sure you know well because you are, I know you are, generous givers. And Jesus said in Luke 16, this is one area that you and I will be required to be faithful He said, if you're faithful when it comes to money, God will commit to you true riches. Amen. So the Lord told me one time, he said, if you'll be a generous giver, I'll do things for you money could not do for you. 
Are y'all steward? In other words, your generosity affects here the release of true riches, which would be what? Wow, anointing, revelation, the will of God for your life. All right, so it's, it's very important with God concerning each individual, and each person has to look at your own heart, judge your own heart. But I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. So my daddy taught us to tithe at a very early age. <laughs> you know, I mean, as soon as you mow a yard, you get $3, he's going he's gonna to actually tell you how much the tithe is. And then he asked me, do you want to give an offering? I said, no. So now... <laughs> But over the years, my dad taught us this. He said, always put God first. In other words, he said this. He said, you can tithe on what you make or tithe on what you want to make. So that's not really the tithe. The tithe's 10%, but the offering would be what you do over the tithe. So actually, me, uh, when I was a teenager, I started systematically doing 20% and then giving after that. When Trent and I first got married, we discussed this because money's a hot subject there when you first get married. I said, now, before we get married, we're going to be 30% givers systematically, and then we'll give after that. But systematically, every week, we will be given 30%. Hmm. Now... I listened to Dad Hagen. <laughs> and so Dad Hagen uh, told Pastor Bruce Black, he said, uh, uh, he told him, he said, uh, if you were looking for a spiritual leader in your church, what would you look for? His Dad Hagen just said, generous. He said, what do you mean generous? That'd be the first thing you look for in a leader? He said, yeah. He said, because someone who's not generous will shut down the move of the Spirit of God in your ministry. All right, let me tell you one more thing here. Now, in the area of, uh, Dad Hagen said this, don't get me wrong, he's teaching here, and he said this. He said, I've been just as anointed in receiving an offering for the ministry as I was ever anointed in a healing meeting. In other words, the anointing of the Holy Spirit can come for the purpose of the gospel and the word growing and multiplying. Now turn to Galatians 6 and verse 6, and we're going to read this real quickly here because our time's a little bit limited here this morning, but I know we got the smart people here this morning, right? <laughs> smart. All right, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6, and it says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In other words, you've received the word. He said, you've been taught in the word of God. Amen. That means whether you're taught and you're here personally or whether you're watching online and you're taught. Hello. I said, whether you're here personally or you're watching online. And he said, if you've been instructed or taught in the word of God, he said, then you reciprocate with giving for several purposes. Number one, you're thankful for the word. Number two, you want that word to grow and multiply. Now, listen. You say, well, I, don't, I can go to church. I can get the sermon. I don't even have to give anything. Now, here's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, you can steal information, but you can never steal revelation. Revelation changes the sound of your voice. Amen. To take the word beyond just a sermon, and then that word becomes engrafted into you. So it says, if you've been instructed in the word, make sure you're a generous giver where you have received that word. I would say in the last 40 years. Wow, it's getting quiet. 
Y'all act like I'm receiving an offering or something. I would say in the last 40 years, there's been a lot of word that's gone out of this place in the last 40 years that this has been a place where the word of God and come on some of the greatest teachers and preachers, I mean, obviously, that have come into this place to preach and teach the word. Come on. And 40 years. How many thank God that Pastor Mac and Lynn took that step of faith 40 years ago and said, we're taking a step of faith. Come on, they didn't have to do that, but God called them and they yielded and they surrendered. And you say, well, how do we reciprocate? We give back and say, thank you for the word. We want to be a blessing and we want that word to grow and multiply. Amen. Let's keep reading here. So it says, you received the word and verse seven, be not deceived for God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. One translation says, if you're just selfish and think about yourself, you'll reap corruption. He said, but if you sow to the spirit where he's talking about sowing into spiritual things, you will receive everlasting life. There's a harvest that will come. And look at the next verse. So don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Let's try that again. Don't be weary while you're involved in this process of tithing and sowing, and the thought came to your mind, this is not working. Come on, because we practiced this, Trent and I, for many years, and we've had some tough times. And the devil said to me, "Uh, what are you going to do if this don't work? Well, I, I thought it's going to be sad. No, so, so I said, what are you going to do if this don't work? Here's what I did. The Lord said, don't let the devil intimidate you about your giving. I said, what are you going to do, Mr. Devil, when it does work? Don't be talking to me about what if it don't work. God's word said he'll open the windows of heaven. God said he'll pour out a blessing. God said he'll multiply the seed that is on. God said he'll make all grace abound. Glory to God. And then just jump all over the room and say, I'm expecting a harvest, a blessing that'll come in. I don't have to even figure out where it's coming from. Come on. Somebody said, our job is to believe that God will do his job. Uh, Let's go on here. You will read, look at verse 10. And as we therefore have opportunity, very much, this, this phrase stood out to me in just the last few months, as we have opportunity. In other words, this is a special time in your life. As we have this opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Now, when he says, as we recognize this time and this opportunity, sometimes you want to ho-hum around and say, well, you know, every other day, seasons change. But we are living in a time of supernatural opportunity, a special time. And so he's talking about in this opportunity. Now, let me give you some examples real quick. Turn to Mark chapter 14 real quickly. Mark chapter 14. I'm going as fast as I can. Praise the Lord. Y'all listening fast? Here's some great opportunities. Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. And you can read all the way through verse 9 because, wow, this is about Mary. And Mark chapter 14 and Jesus in the house. Martha's servant and Mary, this, this story is in uh, three different gospels, and Mary took an alabaster box of 
precious, when it says precious, very expensive, and she poured it on Jesus' head. Very expensive. Now, I'll tell you how much, but most uh, commentaries just say it was about one year's salary. Well, somebody making one year. So she broke a year's salary and poured it on Jesus. And the incense filled the room. And who got mad? Well, says the disciples got mad. This is a waste. And uh, this is way too extravagant. And the one that was mad was a guy by the name of Judas. And Jesus had to say, leave her alone. She has wrought a good work on me. He said, for the poor you have with you always, but me you don't have always. She did what she could in verse 8. She anointed me for my, my body for the burying. Look at verse 9. And everywhere the gospel is preached in the whole world, you're going to have to talk about this woman. In other words, this woman had an opportunity that never happened again. Let's try that again. I said she had an opportunity. Jesus is on the way to the cross, and this woman who loved him, loved his word. She had received his word, and she took the most valuable thing she had and poured it on his head. Now, you know, a lot of times we think of, of worship as singing, but you can, you can worship without singing. I mean, thank God for that. You know, I used to pray I could sing until I heard Pastor Mac. Then I started praying he could sing. So, in other words, so you can actually worship without singing. How did she worship? She worshiped with her generosity, and Jesus said, she prepared me for my burial. So while Jesus was on the way to the cross, while people are cursing him and spitting on him, that he could still smell the aroma of someone who honored him and blessed him. Wait, and everywhere the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, you're going to have to talk about that woman. Oh. Her excessive generosity, she recognized that opportunity and she stepped right in and generously blessed Jesus and really blessed all of us. Amen. And so when you recognize the opportunity, understand the opportunity. Now, I'm going to give you several just of my experience, and you can give me some of yours later if you want to, but here's just several of mine recognizing an opportunity. And in that opportunity, don't hold back. Don't be afraid, but step in with generosity. <laughs> Amen. Now, recently we were in Tulsa, and so we were at Dad Hagen's uh, camp meeting. Of course, there's still uh, Kenneth Hagen Ministries, and he's with the Lord right now. But uh, we still do that camp meeting every year. So we went to a restaurant to eat that we never go to in Tulsa. And so I took a few uh, minister friends. And so we're sitting there at the table getting ready to order. And it was an Italian restaurant called uh, Carabas. So I've never eaten, I can't remember ever eating there before. So we ended up going in there and we're sitting down, you know, and, and out comes the waitress. See, when she comes out, then uh, we found out she was a, a Rama student. So we thought, wow, she's a Rama student. And so somebody had beat me to the table, which is very, very unusual. And they actually got the bill before me. I used to always get the bill. Usually there's no competition. So this other guy had got the bill. 
So I told this waitress, oh, you go to Ramah. I said, this gentleman here got the bill. He will give you a tip, but I'm going to give you $100 right now just to say, God bless you. Well, this lady, she was so thankful. She just over, she said, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, what I didn't know is they had very little business because of the virus, and so she hadn't been able to work very much. Found out later she had actually wrecked her car the week before. Found out later that she had to go to Portland where her dad was a pastor, Raymond Pastor. So I'm finding all this out later. So when I gave her a $100 bill, oh, thank you. And then she was so thankful, I just pulled my wallet out and gave her another $100 bill. I said, I'm so thankful. Come on, I'm so impressed with your thankfulness. Here's your another $100 bill. And then, then the other guys at the table, they said, well, we want to give you some money too. And so they gave her some money. I said, wow, well, let me give you some more. So I gave her some more money. Anyway, she ended up with $870 tip. So not only was she crying because she hadn't been able to work, but the owner and, uh, of the restaurant had just gotten saved at Rama. called Rama and said, some of the people at your conference was just here and gave my uh, waitress $870 tip and said, well, they don't know how bad she needed it. Well, we don't ever go there. But when we went in there and that started happening, we recognized, wow, what an opportunity. That young lady will never forget how that one week she's totally broke and the next week she got $870 in one day. You know, just let the devil know that God is a good God and God is faithful and you get to participate in that process. Are y'all still with me? Now let me give you another opportunity real quickly here. Now, in my dad's church, I was preaching at my dad's church years ago. My dad uh, was holding a camp meeting, and so had other speakers. But that, son, that, that service, I happened to be sitting on the front row next to David Sharon, and this other preacher was preaching. He's from Houston, Texas, happened to be an African-American preacher. So he brought a whole row of women from his church, all African-American ladies from his church, and they're sitting right behind me. So he's preaching. He quotes 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in God. We ask anything according to his will. We, we know he hears us. We know he hears us. We know we have it. So when he said anything, then I, I turned to Pastor David and I said, anything? Did you hear that? If we ask anything, we have the confidence. Did you know? I said, and anything means refrigerators. I said, refrigerator. So Pastor David, so I'm wondering, why did I say refrigerator? So the Lord said to me, there's a woman seated behind you that just prayed and asked me for a refrigerator. And I want you to get up and I want you to buy it for her. So I started turning around looking at the lady behind me to see which one of them had a refrigerator look. So I couldn't figure out which one of them had that look. So I tried to argue with the Lord. I mean, this is probably 25 years ago. So I tried to argue with the Lord. I said, what if every one of them needs a refrigerator? And here's what the Lord said. The Lord said, I did not say there's a woman behind you that needs a refrigerator. I said, there's a woman behind you that already prayed and asked me for a refrigerator, and I want you to buy it. So my daddy's about to close the service at the end. I jump and say, Daddy, what did you say? I said, I act like I knew what I was doing. I said, there's a woman behind me right now that you just prayed and asked God for a refrigerator. Which one is it? <laughs> 
And this lady raised her hand. She's probably about 65, 70, something like that. She raised her hand. I found out later she had 16 foster children. Her refrigerator had broken just the day before. She went to the store to try to buy a new one, didn't have enough money to buy a new one. And so she joined hands and prayed in the store. Came to that meeting. I never seen her before. And now God. That means while I'm a part of her harvest. So I said, which one? She stood up and I said, the Lord told me to buy you that refrigerator. And so I don't know how much it costs, how much you have, but I'm going to give you at least $1,000 or whatever you need. Will $1,000 cover it? She said, oh, yes. I said, I'm going to give you $1,000 right now to buy that. Now, she didn't have the money. She just heard me tell her, and she went, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then it got loose. All the women started going, wow, wow, thank you. She came out in the aisle. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Fell out the floor. So I gave her $1,000. Other people gave her money. She had no problem. What happened? I had an opportunity. Are y'all still here? I said I had an opportunity. Oh, I got too, too many other stories here. So now, another lady, single woman with two daughters. Both the daughters are probably 25, 30 years old, and they're all a little bit heavy set. and they all went to my dad's church, so I knew them growing up, knew the parents and grandparents. So I went in there to preach, and so I, 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 I said, I was going to preach there, so I said, well, I'll stop by and see if they're going to come to the meeting. Well, I go to the meeting. They live in a little frame house. All of them work for minimum wage. So I just go there. How y'all doing? Y'all come to the meeting. And how y'all doing? Well, the two daughters, you know, we're not doing very good, Brother Mar. I said, what's the matter? Well, Mama is uh, three months behind on the car payment, and they're going to come take the car. I said, well, 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 how much is the car payment? She says, 300 300 a month. I said, well, that's easy. I've got $900 bills right here in my pocket, so I'll just give you 900 and that'll take care of it. Really, really? I said, yeah, really, really. I said, see y'all at church if you get a chance. So I gave it to him. So then I walked out the door. When I did, all these three legs were pretty heavy set. So it had a wooden floor, so they started stomping. I could hear them stomping. They're like, go whoompa, 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 and they're all jumping out. And I could hear them saying this, I told you, mama, I told you the Lord would do it for us. I told you the Lord would do it for the whole house is shaking. Like. My dad pastored for over 50 years. So he came into town. I took him to a suit store. I said, Dad, pick you out a suit and a shirt and tie. This is really nice. Because usually my dad to get them $75 suits. So I said, this is really nice suits. So he came down to two uh, suits, shirts, and ties. He said, which one should I get? I said, I think you should get both of them. In my mind, I was going, oh, Lord. <laughs> this is many years ago. So he went ahead and got both of them. Boy, he's all dressed up. And then I went to the store uh, a few, it was a few months later and I was going to get me a Rolex watch. I went out and said, I'm getting me a Rolex. Boy, I'm going to get me a Rolex. So I went in there to get a Rolex and the Lord said, your daddy don't have no Rolex. So the Lord said, you think you should have a Rolex? Your daddy don't have a Rolex? I said, probably not. 
So I accommodated. I said, come on down here. So he comes over. I take him to store, pick you out a Rolex. He got it. And man, he praised the Lord different than he'd ever praised the Lord before. He's like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Because he never had nothing but a Timex or a Rolodex, you know. And so I had... And then nobody could criticize him because he could say, my son bought it for me. I had an opportunity. I will never have that opportunity again because he passed away just a few years later and went to be with the Lord. There's sometimes you have an opportunity you must recognize because you might not have that opportunity again in your life. Went to Dad Hagen's camp meeting. Now, he's the one teaching me. Well, I've received the word. So I took $5,000 out of savings. I said, I'm going to give generously. How many ever tried to explain to the Lord how generous you are? <laughs> I took it out of savings to give it. Dad Hagen tapped on the podium and said, whatever you're going to give, just double it. I asked Trina, what should I do? She said, double it. Oh, Lord. Well, I, I'd taken out a savings, and that, I really was believing for 100000 really needed a million dollars just to pay the church bill. So I said, all right, I'm just going to double it. So I grabbed the corn stalk, swung out over hell, spit in the devil's eye, sowed the seed. All the way home, the devil said, what you going to do now? What if that don't work? I said, ah, it's going to be sad. But I got home. You want to know what happened the next week? Absolutely nothing. And so the next week, nothing. You know what happened the next month? Absolutely nothing. But three months later, one man came into the church and gave $100,000. It had never happened before, but it's happened many times since. I heard the secretary scream. Within nine months, the account I was believing for, struggling, went over a million dollars to pay just for the church, for the ministry. Are y'all still here? So then after I took the 5,000, I kept going to the meetings. Well, I'm so thankful for the word. After a few years, I took 50,000. Dad Hagen said, Mark, come up here and help receive the offering. So I went up there. I said, I brought 50,000. He said, what are you going to give? <laughs> I said, Really? So I just doubled it, gave 100000 I told the Lord, that's about all I got. He said, that's all I asked for. So when I sold that seed, anybody want to know what happened? I'm telling you, the harvest of blessings started coming in. But I got to tell you something better than that. God not only did things financially, but he did things spiritually that had never happened before in my life. Just because I said, Lord, Thank you for the word. I'm not going to ignore this opportunity. You've given me the word. I'm going to give so that word can grow and multiply. Wow. We have this opportunity. In your life, my grandpa, my dad, generous givers. My life affected. The Lord said to me, your generous giving will affect your children and your grandchildren even after your funeral. You ought to just laugh about that. In other words, God will do things for your family, for your children, and for your grandchildren. He will do things in your marriage. Are y'all still here? 
Come on, if you can take some steps and all grace break out in the husband and the wife, in the marriage, in the children, in the grandchildren, and the word of God will, will have a greater effect on you than it's ever had before. Because your giving reflects your heart and your giving affects your heart. Every time you open your heart to be a giver, whether you're a tither or you say, I'm going to stretch out there and do some generous giving, I believe God that Philippians chapter 4, that he said you gave and you gave again until there was more than enough. Amen. He said you gave and you gave again. He said your giving came up before God and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We have this opportunity. May not always have it. You, you can be generous and your generosity go right up to heaven. When you take that step, 40th anniversary is coming up. Now, me and Trenna's coming to that, and we're going to bring $20,000 to give at that 40th anniversary. Now, I don't know if you want to give something special today, or you want to give it next Sunday, or you want to give it the 40th anniversary Sunday, but I challenge you to take this opportunity and say, thank you, Lord, for the word you've given to me save my life. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to launch out there and so generously. And I expect a harvest, not just financially, but a harvest of the favor and the grace of God and the word of God. Lift your hands up right now. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. We'll give more than we've ever given before. And we'll still have more than we've ever had before. Because you multiply that seed that is sown. And you take us places in blessing that we've never gone before. This area of our heart and this area we abound in this grace also. In the name of Jesus. Everybody shout amen. amen.